Have you guys ever made a podcast and then accidentally deleted it? I don't think so. Somehow, no. Yeah. Everything yep. everything else has gone we wrong. fucked everything up really <laughs> bad before. <laughs> I've accidentally deleted it. <laughs> Good question. Any more questions from the audience? There are some that we should have <laughs> deleted. <laughs> yeah, you should just read our iTunes reviews. <laughs> You ever get the feeling that everything in America is completely fucked up? You know that feeling that the whole country is like one inch away from saying, that's it, forget it. Let's see. Thanks, Mr. Uh, now look, here's a house full of bees. Like you think the honey badger cares? It doesn't give a shit. Listen, let's get one thing straight. What? The price is right. Guns don't kill okay. people. <laughs> 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 Couple years ago, no, nah, ten years what? ago. Yeah, ten years ago. I was living in uh, New York. Oh, I think he told me that when yeah. you were assembling the bodies, right? Right, right. the exhibit. <laughs> yeah, yes. no need Sa- to explain. Sa- salt and pepper and Nighty by Nature, and I don't know who someone else played. I can't remember. Wow. Yeah, I was in a, a giant concert in the park. It was great. It was a good show. Really? Yeah, that's cool. That song, I, I went in like apprehensive, like I I don't have crazy high expectations for this, but Naughty by Nature was great. That song to me, again, like I, it's funny, I don't necessarily do it on purpose, but I have to say I do. But when we play hip hop songs, it's always from that era. Mm-hmm. That's just the era that I grew up with. Right. It was the best era of hip hop. It was like Public everyone Enemy. was cool with everyone else. It wasn't, well, except for Public Enemy. Um, they they were actively trying to uh, start a race war. They had the whole thing with the Jews. <laughs> yeah. Got pretty uncomfortable with Professor Griff, if but I recall. Salt and Peppa, and just, it, it, it was all she, lighthearted. It, it was, and yeah. they had so much respect, not just from the rap community, but from just all over music. Yeah. And they were just doing goofy kind of songs. And that song in particular, it was like the first song that I actually danced with a girl to. Oh, really? Because I, I remember we were in my friend's basement, and I was like 11 years old, mm-hmm. didn't know how to dance. Mm-hmm. But in Maryland at that time, like you kind of had to know how to dance. It was a very urban right. environment. Right. And this older girl was there teaching us all how to dance. Oh, nice. Yeah. And we were like, I mean, she was like, this is how you grind. And like showing us how to grind and like all, it was <laughs> awesome. <laughs> One of my most cherished memories. So there'll always be a soft spot in my heart for salt and pepper. And, uh, 
actually Junior requests that song now. Oh, on, nice. On our road trips to work. It holds up. It's still good. Yeah, it's a good song. I was actually bummed that I cut it off as early as I did in that. So uh, who are you? What's your deal? Just a stranger who walked into this room. Now I got a mic in my face and a glass of wine. Awesome. I love how just open you are now to people wandering in here. <laughs> yeah. It's good I kind of you live it. in such I, a nice neighborhood. It's a way to pay back for the community. Just yeah. Give everyone a voice. <laughs> totally. Uh, are we are we allowed to use your name? Yeah, of course. Uh, on the podcast, this episode is my wonderful, badass stepdaughter, Madeline. You are 22? Three. 23. Ah, time flies. Dear Lord. Hmm. Welcome, Matt. Thanks for coming on. Yeah. Thanks for having me. You've been out of town for a while. Where you been? I've been mule packing. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Up in the Sierra Nevadas. Uh, it's real rugged and yeah. feel pretty disconnected from this weird life that I just walked into. But... Well, it's about to get uh. way worse. <laughs> <laughs> Allow us to enlighten you. <laughs> we'll bring you up to speed on what's been going on. Consider me uneducated. <laughs> yeah, I've been following your uh, journey with the pictures and everything and uh, myself and uh, the guys at work, we we're just looking at, it, we're like, she is living the life right now. Holy crap. Yeah. The pictures have been amazing. Yeah. It's some old, cool, old school shit out there. You know, it's, yeah. it's different. Yeah. Um, but I, I've been happy, you know, lots of ups and downs. It's, it's a rugged lifestyle and the people there are just out of the Western movies. Yeah. Have you had to kill anyone? No, thought about it though. What about uh, assist with murder? No. Hide a body. Again, thought bury about it. Bury anything? Bury bodies? It's all planned out. It's all in my head. Okay. So whatever scenario comes my way. You well, know, if you want to run I'm it by um, our listeners, maybe you, uh, just give us the details now and we'll ask people to write in and critique your plan. Sure. Let's just say it's remote. Okay. I think that's probably good. Yeah, good, good. Yeah. Remote's always good for hiding a body. Yep. Yeah. Are you. Uh, I'm waiting to see your mom uh, stare through the studio door. She, oh, my God, you brought my daughter on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently, she can hear everything we're saying, too. So. I'm on someone's naughty list with you guys now. Yes. So can the rest of the world, by the way. Well, Madeline, you missed this. Um, this is now what's being uh, promoted. I can't get away from this commercial. It's on I Watch Football uh, every Saturday, every Sunday. Hey, can I ask I'll you something? I'll be watching it now. I don't know why I'm this here. popped in my head. Uh, when I was a little kid... Earl Campbell was my favorite football player. Mm-hmm. He Houston played Oilers. for the Houston Oilers. <clears throat> is, yeah. that a, is that a, is that a team still? No. Okay. No, they became the Houston. No, they, actually, they be, they moved to Tennessee, became the Tennessee Titans. Okay. And then uh, Houston got a new team called the Houston Texans. The Houston Texans. Yes. It's kind of backwards, isn't it? It should be the Texas Houston's. Yeah. Absolutely. The Texas also Houston's is are the Washington Redskins still a team? No. They had they had to change their name to the Commanders. The Commanders. Okay. Because now are they from Washington or Washington DC? DC. Okay. I don't know why I was thinking about that today. I was like, oh well, we're gonna podcast later. I gotta ask Kelly this question. Better yeah, figure this stuff out before yeah, you should ask me off the air and then you'd be an expert. Yeah. Uh, Washington Redskins, uh, I believe the only NFL team with a fight song. Oh, really? Yes. They're called the what? The Nationals? Uh, Commanders. The Commanders. Which their fight song no longer really works because obviously you had to hail to the Redskins was the song. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Fight for victory. Braves on the warpath. Fight for all DC. Interesting. Now, the Braves doesn't make any sense. 
the commanders. Ah. Hail to the commanders. <laughs> Hail victory. Braves on the warpath. That doesn't make any sense. Right. Yeah, I got you. Well, during football, That's which what, you what culture clearly are, you. <laughs> you're, uh, what we're all picking up is that you want to start watching football. So yeah, now, uh, that, now that I'm up to speed, you will see this commercial. Tell me if anything stands out to you in this commercial. The NFL season is here. They are showing out with the freaking fits. Show me where to get that. All eyes on me. And you looking at commercial, me? by the way. Yeah. All eyes on me. So, uh, inordinate amount of men carrying purses. Yeah, I'm noticing. No, it seems, is that a thing now? Apparently, like they're trying to make it a thing. Obviously, this is What's a commercial wrong with for the humble fanny pack. <laughs> exactly, this is a commercial or for... putting shit in your pockets, like we have been doing, <laughs> as men have been doing years. for centuries. So, this is a commercial about Google, new ways to search. It's this. I don't really know anything about it. Uh, I was about to turn to the younger person at the table. Wait, they're not selling purses? From a mule packing trip. I doubt yeah, she has I, no, I have it, seen this before. I used to have a it, Google phone. Okay. Is this tunnel uh, search thing uh, something you're familiar with? Yeah. It, Basically, you're able to highlight a portion of an image okay. and search it uh, in Google Images, uh-huh. and it'll try and find like images that will bring you to whatever that product is so that you can purchase it. So wait a minute. Okay, wait, so wait, that wait, is I, the that is what the oh, go ahead. Uh, well, I'm just no. I just want to make sure we're on the same page here. Is what we just saw is a commercial for a search feature, a type of searching exclusively tunnel, new ways to search. That's what this commercial is all about. Yes. But the whole commercial for this new search optimization right. engine is centered around men men carrying, carrying purses. purses. Yeah, wearing they're really, tailored jackets with Imagine. waistbands on them. You guys hiring and when are we leaving? I got Exactly. <laughs> I got to get the fuck out of here. <laughs> I get so annoyed. I've always hated commercials. I think everyone has, right? Ah, it's, you like them. <laughs> that's the original. <laughs> that's the origin of that joke <laughs> that anyone listening right now is not going to get. So <laughs> moving on. Uh, the... This commercial is about men carrying purses. Mm-hmm. Anyone that watches this commercial, if you turn the sound off, the only thing that you would get from this is that men should be carrying purses. Right. That's what they're doing with this commercial. They're doing the Bud Light thing. Yeah. They're doing the Target thing with this commercial. So from a utilitarian's perspective, what would a man put in a purse? Vodka. Uh 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 so I might I've be, seen this before. I might be doing a 180 a, a, on this. A real man doesn't a real man doesn't hide his vodka. He just walks around with a handle. <laughs> oh my god, dude. This, this guy we work with, he uh he's as odd as he is. We really like the guy a lot, but at lunch he busted out a Capri Sun. He's talking about your uncle Dan, by the way. <laughs> so I looked over him. Uh, are you drinking a Capri Sun? I haven't seen one of those since I was in third grade. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm like crazy okay <laughs> like the depths just keep getting deeper with this guy yeah i'm like i just i haven't seen you know a grown man drinking a capri sun <laughs> ever in my life and i haven't seen one since the third grade he goes no they're actually pretty uh convenient because like if you go to a show you can like put some vodka in there you know what i mean then pull out the capri sun and like have like a cocktail that way you don't look weird i'm like 
Uh, I think it would look way less weird if you just pulled a flask or a <laughs> bottle of vodka out of your pocket. <laughs> like you had a punk rock show with a Capri Sun. Yeah. That's weird. Yeah, that's sending off some signals right there. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Let's keep How about an eye a on that D? guy. Uh, Sunny D is uh, cut above no, the it, uh, Capri Sun. Sunny D comes in a plastic bottle. The Capri Sun comes in a little. Like, right. Well, I'm wondering about the pouch. accessibility. I mean, how are you going to pour vodka in that pouch? You know what? So that's I, a good question. With the, this guy, the, I, I don't ask these questions. I was like, yeah, fair enough. Okay. Mm-hmm. He probably spits it into the straw. <laughs> moving in. Yeah, moving <laughs> exactly. on. Exactly. That's why you don't ask. Uh, yeah. So that's that's my little bit of uh, sunny D pop still culture thing? for you. Somewhat. They still make Sunny D? Yeah. Really? Mm-hmm. It's not even orange juice, right? It's just... No. Yeah. Odd. I'm not quite re- done about the, these purses, though. So okay, yeah. I, I do have some reference on this. They okay. have been a thing in Eastern Europe. I saw this. All the men have purses. Enough said. Okay. Dark <laughs> and leather. And <Your> point. <laughs> they also all tend to have a homemade moonshine that they're very proud of. And I was not short of bumping into older gentlemen with purses who would pull out a miniature coffee mug and a glass bottle full of whatever moonshine they had been making at home with their wife. So the purse is only for alcoholics? Yes. Okay. So if you see a man in Eastern Europe with a purse, you know he has alcohol in the purse. This guy likes to party. Interesting. Yeah, which is something probably has in common with whoever these goggled, sweatered (laughs) whatnots who are going to what, a (laughs) football football tournament? (laughs) Yeah. You might be the only person that's uh, more unaware of sports than I am (laughs) in the entire planet. I think that if the stigma were that the, the purse equaled alcoholic, they wouldn't have as much luck uh, selling it. Because to me, what they're selling is femininity. Mm-hmm. They're selling male femininity with this. They're pushing it hard, see, just in, like they in, were. In with, Eastern Europe, you see that guy, like, that guy likes to party. Right. But you see that in this commercial, like, that guy likes to party. <laughs> Sailor. <laughs> <laughs> Two different kinds of party. All right, we've put an American twist on it then. Yeah. All right. As we do. I'll leave that to you guys. <laughs> Uh, you want any more little, uh, clever banter or should we just get into your deep, dark, <laughs> deep dive? I feel like we need like a palate cleanser. All right. All right. Uh, everything I have is just depressing. Yeah. The, the only palate cleanser I can offer is, um, the gun. Uh, I have a clip from the stupid... Uh, this actually worked. The thirty-round magazine that just got struck down again by a judge. Uh, the thirty-round ban. No, go on. California. I don't, I don't. Oh, really? Did yeah. it? Yeah. Well, that's good news. So it's technically still Freedom Week in California. You can buy a thirty-round magazine starting now. Starting, I think Friday. No shit. Yeah, and a judge just struck it down again this week. Also, uh, conservatives are hailing this as like this giant victory. Gavin Newsom struck down the uh, bill AB. Gavin Newsom struck it down? Yeah. Gavin Newsom vetoed a separate bill that um, they were trying to pass a bill that if you don't affirm your child's gender, that CPS can take your kids away. Yes. And Gavin Newsom actually vetoed that. Uh Uh-huh. 
which seems out of character. Uh, apparently, they're listening to the podcast because I don't know if you <laughs> recall this, but I, a while back when I heard that this was going to be passed, I said, this is awesome because we're going to be able to use this against them. Mm-hmm. All you got to do is say, just have someone say, well, Gavin Newsom's kids or whoever else, some legislators' kids said that they were straight mm-hmm. and they said, no, you're a girl. They tried to get not straight, but they they said that they I, identified with their own gender, and they tried to get them again. exactly. Yeah. I think they realized that we were onto something with that. That it could be used against them. In all honesty, it could be used against them. And that was something I'd been yeah talking to our lawyer friends about. Like this means that if you don't affirm your kid's gender, and they say that they're the gender that they're uh, that you don't agree with, mm-hmm. that your kids could be taken away. That means that if you want your kid to be trans. And that kid says, "No, I'm a I'm a boy. I was born a boy. I'm in a I'm a boy." That's you not affirming their gender, and you could have ah. your kids taken away. Uh-huh. Not bad. Not okay. bad. Thinking, right. thinking ahead. So that's fantastic to hear that we're in Freedom Week. Well, again. but I also said with the thing with the Gavin Newsom thing, everyone's like, "About he's kind of coming around to his senses." Like, no, he's running for president. That's why he struck down that bill. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's clear. Did you see happening. the 60 Minutes interview that he did over the weekend? I uh, did not. Yeah, he uh, he's clearly running for president, and he um, keeps saying he's not. Of course, he's saying vehemently he's not. They, opposed. They it. have to stretch. It out. is the here's what's going to happen: Harris Biden, Bi- excuse me, Biden Harris <laughs> administration. That says it all right there. Is a master class in governance. <laughs> to quote <laughs> Kevin Newsom, which we will talk about a little bit later. No, here's what's going to happen: is Biden's going to stretch it out till the end of his term. He's Hold on, are you revising my prediction on how Gavin Newsom becomes president? No, no. Okay. Oh, well, yes, I am. Here's my own spin on it. Okay. Is he has to clear, I, I think 73% of people polled, take that for what it's worth, has said he's too old to run. I mean, his, his, yeah, his numbers on immigration, on the economy, everything is, is an abysmal failure. So I mean, by all metrics, everyone's like, this guy has to step down. Like, he can't do this anymore. So what I think he's going to do is stretch it out to the last part of his term. He's going to pardon his son, mm-hmm. and then he's going to go, like, I'm out of here. Yeah. And Gavin, Gavin, Newsom showing, drop. Yeah, Gavin Newsom showing up for the both the Republican convention and the Democratic debates. He's just there to support Biden, mm-hmm. Biden's quote, or uh, Gavin Newsom's quote. Okay, so in that scenario, Biden resigns. Mm-hmm. Kamala becomes the president. No, 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 no. They're not going to let that happen. He's going to step down at the end of his term. Yes. And Gavin Newsom will run. But then they would have to win an election. Right? They He, he can't just appoint someone. So if he steps down, then Gavin Newsom has to become... He has to win the primaries and become the they're, nominee they're, ahead of Kamala Harris, which... Okay, there is a technical loophole. What is this woman <laughs> Ahead smoking? Ahead of Kamala Harris. <laughs> there is a technical loophole that I can't remember what it's called, not a referendum, but it is a, a way that that process can be sidestepped. I wasn't prepared to talk about this, so I'm not going to even try to guess what it is. Really? Yeah, I heard someone break it down. They're bi- there's a bipartisan... Do you remember loophole. the nuts and or the, the bare bones of what it means? It's, Does uh, he not have to run for the Democratic uh, nomination? Yeah, there's a specific way you can get on the ballot without because you have to. Everyone's saying like, 
why won't Michelle Obama run? And they're like, no, well, the timeline won't w- work out. Like, she would have to have started that process already. Okay, so Bi- it's probably Biden wins the nomination and then steps down? Something like that, yeah. In which case, Kamala Harris, I think, would become the... No, there's a way that everyone's trying to get her out of the picture. Really? And there's a way that that can be done. Well, yes. That Biden can by step finding out. cocaine next to her car <laughs> in her parking area under the White House. We've talked about this. Allegedly. <laughs> That's what they say. It's the White House's official position. Well, I think that the, the, the concerns are based what on what we should about? all be concerned about. <laughs> but the, the solutions have to be and include what mm. we are doing in terms of going forward, in terms mm. of investments. Right. That's a good point. Well, when you put yeah, it that yeah, way, yeah, yeah, that's, a, that's a good point. Okay. Good point. Um, all right, so just to continue, because you made me pull this up. This is the uh, New Mexico governor. What, what's her name? Uh, I, I know who you're talking about. The one with the... Um, Ugly, <laughs> really <very> ugly, <laughs> frivolous views of uh, the Constitution. I thought you were going to say it has a really weird-looking mouth. Mm. Um, she, uh, I didn't bother putting her name on the title of the clip because you're so good with names, I figured you'd heard it once, mm-hmm. and that was it. Like, we were good. Um, for anyone who may have been uh, mule-packing for the last three months, uh, this, do you know anything about the New Mexico governor trying to ban uh, firearms no. in her state. So they have, uh, I believe they have open carry in New Mexico. Yes. Is that correct? And because of, t- for the children, she decided that um, it would be wise to uh, ban the carrying of firearms everywhere in New Mexico, which to everyone in Mexico, New Mexico, uh, that w- seemed like a total violation of the Second Amendment. What does that have to do with children? Well, I, that's, that's Madeline, I, <laughs> I, I don't know if you know this, but firearms are the leading cause of death for children. Uh, as long as you consider, I love, I love that statistic. As long as you consider <laughs> zero to nineteen-year-olds all children. Uh, I don't it, know if you know this, but oh. yes, uh, fourteen to I think it's twenty-five-year-olds are the most. Uh, violent group of people in mm-hmm. in America. So when you include 19-year-olds as children, you capture a lot of really, really bad kids, gang that, members, basically. That also rules out suicide, which I believe make up over 40% of that statistic. <laughs> yeah, the statistics are... Uh, oof, getting into it is not fun, but just, they're just out there. Just following the science here. <laughs> just following the of shooting science. deaths in New Mexico, including that of an 11-year-old boy just last week. The governor declaring gun violence a public health emergency and issuing a 30-day ban on public... It's always a fucking emergency, right? I was just going to say... If you want to get something done and the Constitution is all in the way and shit, well, an emergency. Because obviously when the framers wrote the Constitution, and there's an asterisk at the bottom. No one ever brings this up. It says, unless there's an emergency. Right. All of this shit in the Constitution is not valid if there's an emergency. It goes without saying. And the problem, what you're driving at, uh, for those of you you dimwits out there that didn't pick up on what what he's driving at, is that if we can sidestep due process or the Constitution or, you know, basically our, our legislative system to get something done in name of emergency, like what's going to happen? Well, we'll just t- keep declaring emergencies to pass whatever legislation that we want to do. For example, the 
aforementioned Gavin Newsom, just gave up his COVID emergency powers like three months ago. Right. And what was the emergency in COVID, by the way? That a lot of people had it? That a lot of people with that were already given a death sentence died with it? No, I the real someone- problem was, the real problem was, according to Jan Wenner and Rolling Stone, is that people were following misinformation and they were taking horse paste and then people were ODing from the horse paste and so much so that they were turning around a, a, a line that went along the block. I don't know if you've seen this picture. It's in Rolling Stone of gunshot victims that were being turned away at the ER because so many people are ODing on this horse paste. You zoom in on that picture and it's actually <laughs> Russian River Brewery. I've released Pliny the Elder. <laughs> or the younger. Uh yeah, it's it, the the emergency powers thing is so out of control. Right. Like the fact that we allow them, you, you're not allowed to do anything just because it's an emergency. Yeah. We have to take that back. I heard someone recently say that the real emergency during the pandemic was an emergency of um, PCR tests. How's that? It makes so much fucking sense. No, seriously. They, the PCR test was being misused for the COVID vaccine, for COVID uh, yeah, they, virus. They, had it, they were using it at between 35 and 40 cycles. It's only supposed to be used up to like three 20, cycles. No, like 21 or something. Also, have you seen the video montage of people testing uh, a banana, uh, a cantaloupe, a can of Coke, all tested pos- positive for COVID exactly. using the PCR test? Exactly. And that was real, like, and it was real in that they were really doing that. Only, it was also real. Only according to the guy who invented the test, okay? Harry Mullis. And other than that. The guy that. Who in- died mysteriously somehow. Yeah, yeah he did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You want to go there? He, I, not right now. <laughs> okay. That guy, the Harry Mullis, who invented the PCR test, said that you're misusing it. Every time you'd run a new cycle, so it's supposed to run at like 21 or 23 mm-hmm. cycles, right? If you go from 23 to 24, you're doubling the sensitivity of the test. Every time you run it, you're doubling sensitivity. So to go from 23 to 24 is a doubling. 24 to 25, double. Double that. It's double like that, the Richter scale. All the way up, they're running it at 40 cycles. Mm-hmm. And so you, a can of Coke or a watermelon can test positive for COVID. So we literally had an emergency of PCR testing. I see you. I see where you're going there. That was the pandemic that we were exposed to. We and these emergency powers that Gavin Newsom took to to declare, you know, all sorts of stupid shit like you can't leave your house or you can we're going to totally change the way that people vote for an election was based on we can't leave our house. Total Newsom and us. None of us can leave our house unless you're going to an early dinner, so, I think. Okay, so it was yes. an early dinner. If it saying. was okay. early, then you're good. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, well, you we still, all fall short. Well, you still got to wear a mask, though. Right. He, yeah. So he wore a mask, yeah. too. No. Oh, oh, no. If it's an early dinner, you don't have to wear the mask, I think. That's gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Do that. Uh, we're all human. We all fall short sometimes. Uh, we've been out, and I think, for three times since. In fact, I know it's been three times because I remember all of those dinners very, very vividly. Uh, since February, just three times, uh, twice with my wife by myself outdoors, and then this one occasion uh, with a larger group. And there were just a few extra people there uh, than the spirit of what I am promoting. Uh, and so if we're going to minimize mixing, you got to 
you got to own up to that. So uh, I just want folks to know that. Paid for our dinner, uh, and we, uh, you know, we had an early dinner, but it didn't matter. Uh, I shouldn't have been there. I should have turned back around. And uh, so when that happens, you got to you pay the price, but you also own the mistake, and you don't ever make it again. And you have my word on that. And just know this has not been a practice I've been indulged in in the past. I, I take it very seriously uh, what we are promoting uh, and have been doing so for many, many months. And I expect you should expect nothing less of me, and I expect more from myself. And you have that commitment and my resolve in that respect as well. So when I say minimize mixing, I mean it. But again, COVID fatigue is exhausting, and I'm empathetic beyond words. I got to go back and look at my notes on that. I can't remember exactly what okay. it was. Um, but you definitely have to wear a mask if you're at, like, a large sporting event. Or, or by yourself outside. Yeah. Exercising. For sure. Which would be Unless, a great, great way to combat a respiratory virus. It, that's true. Although if you are near a celebrity like Magic Johnson, you could take the mask off. Because he survived you, okay. AIDS, and he also will survive covid gotcha that's why he knew it was okay to oh no 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 i remember he was holding his breath yeah, that's what i was gonna say okay. like he was holding his breath you hold your sure. breath yeah. and you can do it yeah yeah, yeah. i think you kind of were getting a little kind of jumped into some conclusions there was I? yeah he was holding his breath in that picture <laughs> okay sorry i wasn't being homophobic and racist was i no you were but i mean carrying guns in our state's largest city and its surrounding county. So let's bring in New Mexico Governor Michelle Lujan Grisham. Thank you so much for being with us today, Governor. And let's just get right into it. You have received is she cross -eyed? a lot of back. You know, is she cross-eyed? It's. Uh, or, do you remember when we brought up why like liberals are uglier than <laughs> yes. conservatives? The left is uglier than the right. I have been seeing this over and over again. When you look at conservative politicians, they're all more attractive than the liberal ones. Look at this lady. Crash, including lawsuits from gun rights groups questioning <laughs> the constitutionality of this order. Some Republican lawmakers are calling for impeachment. So I'm curious, what made you want to take this action? She's hideous. Well, you just basically said it, Eva. Everyone is terrified of the backlash for all of these political reactions. None of those individuals or groups focused on the actual injuries or deaths of the public that they are also, by the way, Dude, constitutionally how much Botox is in that woman's face? <laughs> they aren't making the improvements. They aren't dealing with this as the crisis that it is. And I'm the only person, and that's quite, it's a little bit of an exaggeration, the Archbishop and some other uh, high-profile political leaders have said it is time to focus on the children and families of New Mexico. And I, frankly, have the courage to take the stand to make everyone in our community safer. And, Governor, speaking of backlash, the sheriff of the county affected by the temporary ban. Right. She kind of reminds me of, uh, we have a French bulldog. Uh -huh. And I remember saying to my wife, saying, like, a dog kind of creeps me out sometimes. That's why I, I, like, I can't tell what he's looking at. Is it kind of his eyes kind of just a little <laughs> skewed? Like, is he looking at me or something no. like behind me? He does have a little of that, huh? Like yeah. when you look at Max, yeah. Dog Max, yeah, he just you can tell right at you. Yeah, yeah. With Loki, it's a little bit like, hold on, he's, okay. he, he, he's like he's at planning me right something. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right, she comes up with an answer right here. I'm going to see if uh, either of you can translate. It's unconstitutional and says there is no way that his office can enforce it. Uh, Governor, it's not being enforced. If it's not being enforced, rather, what purpose does it hold? You're about to hear a politician uh, try to make an answer to a question that she's not rehearsed. Okay. She's not giving a speech at this point. She hasn't been told what to say on this. We're always going to debate enforcement. I do it for every single uh, constitutional act, including this one that I believe is constitutional. And uh, we'll let a fact finder. These, these, none of these rights are absolute. We go to a judge, uh... a fact finder. He's not a fact finder. Again, I think all too often some of the leaders in law enforcement worry about the backlash from the NRA and others and use enforcement as an effective, they believe, way to sort of stall out. Look, I, I was. Isn't the. Correct me if I'm wrong here. Wasn't the basis of the Constitution inalienable rights, which are absolute? Wasn't that the foundation of the Constitution? That you were born with the rights. God gave you the rights. No government can take them away from you. I mean, all of the she rights. pretty flippantly said, like, well, none of these rights are absolute. And I was like, yeah. by definition, they are. That's why that document was written. Exactly. None of these rights are absolute. I mean, I know I'm just on the fringe here. Apparently. You're wrong. All right. This, uh, this is... AG, a awful. Democrat, says that he's not going to defend this emergency order. He writes in a letter, simply put, I do not believe that the emergency order will have any meaningful impact on public safety. But more importantly, I do not believe it passes constitutional muster. What's your response to that? I believe that she's already been kind of shot down on this. Mm -hmm. Like this issue has kind of gone away. Right. Um, but I really wanted to play this clip because the response she gives to the question that that woman just asked uh -huh. is all time. It's like the, one of the most confusing things I've ever heard a politician say. The same is my response for some of the other individuals. No offer of uh, solutions to this crisis was the DA in this community, which is uh, uh, the third most dangerous from gun-related injuries city in America, 90% higher than the national average. And I hope that the public's response is, if we don't have elected leaders to have the courage to stand up for children, <laughs> I don't know why we're electing individuals who aren't going to stand up for the people who need us to make sure they're safe and protected. What Some garbage. Is this woman she smoking? went full Kamala Harris. Dude. <laughs> Could you, uh, this isn't a sense, a sense. The same is my response for some of the other individuals. No offer of uh, solutions to this crisis was the DA in this community, which is uh, uh, the third most dangerous from gun-related injuries city in America. What? I don't know what she said there. <laughs> what is that? <laughs> uh, I love my, one of my favorite political posturing techniques is they will take a question for something they clearly do not have the answer for or that they were ready for, or they just flat out wanted to avoid yeah. and they morph it into another question and they answer like that question. Right. 
That would have been predictable. Right. What she did there was, was something else. Completely, <laughs> that was Kamala Harris level like word salad. Like, what is this woman smoking? <laughs> it was so weird. Like, she, what city? I don't know. It's uh, yeah, a fucking weirdo. Very odd. Yeah. All right. So I've been thinking about something. All right. And here it goes. Because we use the phrase uh, quite a bit, especially lately. Is Okay, so take it to when we were talking about inflation. It's like when you walk out your front door, you're like, this is insane. Like I'm feeling the effects of inflation. Yeah. Then you go to Paul Krugman. Which so is like. By the way, I walked into the house past your $600 in lumber. Still, still on your... <laughs> you clearly don't live in San Francisco. <laughs> you don't even live in a bad part of Santa Rosa. I thought about that. I was riding around. I was like, I should really put this in the yard. I'm like, oh, I'll get around to it. I'm like, <laughs> you should be protecting it with your life. It's $600 in lumber. <laughs> is we use the phrase, um, I guess this is kind of closely aligned to the uh, emperor has not closed, but we say... We need you to not believe your own own eyes, right? And this is the difference between what we call also, I'm wrapping up like all these sayings that we use all the time. We walk out the front door. I'm like, I just intuitively don't believe this to be true when I walk out my front door, right? When I walk out my front door, inflation is real, right? How much I paid for gas, how much I paid for groceries, the uh, multiple hundreds of dollars worth of lumber still on, on the rack of my truck. And then when the, the, the mouthpieces, the chuckleheads, the mainstream media come out and say, like, no, it's no, it's not, that's not happening. What they're saying is we need yeah. you to not believe your own eyes. Yeah. And this really, I had a weird uh, life turning point, I guess you'd say, is that uh, I've decided to transition and I wanted to announce it oh. here on the show. Well, uh, <laughs> c- good for you. I'm in total... Support, also, I think my real dad is Fidel Castro. So we can go, <laughs> go into that. Um, a little while ago, my wife asked me, she goes, she, as I am wont to do, I was kind of pacing around the house, like muttering to myself. And she goes, what are you thinking about? I was like, out loud, I always said, I'm like, nah, nothing, nothing. And for the first time in my life, even though I always say like nothing, I got like, what was I really thinking about right there? And it just sent me down the most insane like rabbit hole in my head. And I spent the next almost two hours, like I went out and shot my bow out in the backyard and I was walking around like working in the garden, like going like, for some reason I took it literally, like what were you actually thinking right there? And I just started like, I thought it was going insane yeah. for a little bit, but in a good way. Okay. And so it's largely to her benefit that I say like, Nothing, because if I'm going to tell you, like, what I'm really thinking about, like, number one, how much time do you have? (laughs) And it's just going to probably, like, fully bum me out. And I guess this is to another saying that we always use. This can be attributed to the internal dialogue that Mm -hmm. we always talk about. Like, you're always just constantly having, like, these conversations going on in your head. Madeline, would you say that you have or don't have... Actually, how do you ask this question? Are you familiar with the the notion of the in, internal dialogue? 
I am. Yeah. So we read a fascinating study. I know. Are you, are you uh, familiar with the difference between an internal dialogue and an internal monologue? Perhaps not. So the difference being, because I think everyone has an internal voice that's talking in their heads mm -hmm. all the time. And one of the, you know, it's really hard to shut it up. And sometimes like meditation's goal is to shut that voice up, right? But I've never succeeded in shutting my you, It's impossible to do. Yeah. And that it's very, very difficult anyways. Um, but some people, and it's not a judgment about these people. They are perfectly, you know, awesome people that don't have an internal dialogue. They only have one voice going in their head. Mm. Matt and I are similar in that we both have an internal dialogue, meaning like there's an argument going on in our heads, like, like a tennis match back and forth, back and forth. You're trying to think, what would this person say? What would that person say? It's not even you and another person, although a lot of times it is, but it's just kind of like, what is the response to that? What is the response to that? And there's this dialogue happening inside your head, almost out of your control and kind of in your subconscious to a degree. Or oh, to reference, absolutely. Yeah, or to reference a, a couple episodes ago, we talked about the negative feedback loop. Mm -hmm. It's a way of testing. It's putting your own ideas to merit. Right. Is you have the argument in your head, you have the dialogue. You're like, okay, what would the response to that be? And I think Albert Einstein um, coined the phrase a thought experiment. Right. Where you, you could actually work through the problem in your head by testing it against, well, if you're, you're genius, actual like logic. Right. Guys like us, just people that we've known, and you're just kind of bouncing ideas off these like archetypes that you have in your head. And so you, would you put yourself in the category of one with an internal dialogue or only the monologue and this isn't a judgment about no you no if, absolutely if I'd, I'd say a dialogue mm -hmm. uh, especially you know if i'm pissed off at someone then i'll have arguments with them in my head yeah you're writing the speech and, yeah, yeah yeah i think it's what makes me good at a fight and uh mm -hmm. it's it's constant you can't turn it off once it's on so. then it compounds it gets worse and worse you see that person and you realize there was no problem and you just <laughs> totally <laughs> got him to the conflict entirely yeah, in just your archive head. it for the next argument is, yeah, exactly oh, i'll get you next <laughs> yeah, time motherfucker you might have won this if one if you ever do cross me <laughs> yeah. if you ever do cross me you may have won the battle but the war rages on hey uh <laughs> good to see you <laughs> But also why we brought this up is that we read what I deem to be a pretty fascinating psychological study that 40%, I mean, take this for what it's worth, but a, you know, estimated 40% of people have no internal dialogue in their head. And that it made so much sense to, sense to me. It like mm -hmm. it put the dots together for you talk to some people, you, you know, as you get older and hopefully wiser, you just realize like we're all wired so differently. You know what I mean? And I can't apply my template to someone else's brain, right? It's it's could be completely different, like vastly different way of like perceiving the world and taking in information. It's and when you realize when I read that study, I'm like, that makes so much sense. Like some people they they just don't like when someone says something you disagree with and you push back on it, you're like, Well, what about this? And they just kinda look at you like, I've never thought about that. I'm like, that's step one. Of the argument like of this argument that I've been in for three days in my head. It's that woman that was in the Subaru holding up forty cars of traffic on the Silverado Trail, and you finally drive past her, and you're like, "What is she thinking?" And then, like Nothing. the scene of the movie, like goes, and it goes into her head, and it's just. <laughs> 
Like, oh my god! Like nothing. There's nothing going on Just in her head. Pure bliss. As <laughs> blissful as a Hindu cow. She's probably happier. Absolutely. 100%. Absolutely. 100%. Do we look happy to you? No. We're not, we're not making an argument that... We're not saying we're better off. The way that we think is better. It sucks. It's miserable. I am so sick of these warmongering pedophiles. When's dinner, for Christ's sake? Okay. So back to what I was saying. My wife asked me, she goes... What are you thinking? I thought about that. My, what was I thinking about right there? Because I know, like, I was deep up in my head. And I thought about it. I was like, okay, I remember thinking, like, I wonder how many people around me are already realizing this or at least beginning to realize that our society is being intentionally pitted against itself right now. That's what I was thinking. So then you start thinking, like, well, why was I thinking that? And I, I thought, I'm like, okay, I remember I was also thinking, I wonder how many people and at what level they begin to start asking questions or noticing that things are not adding up like when they walk out their front door. This would be the, we need you to not believe your own eyes kind right. of scenario that we always talked about. And I was like, okay, so what would be some kind of examples about that? We were just talking about Joe Biden. So it's like when we talk about, uh, you know, our commander in chief slurs his way through his pre-written written speech and then, you know, shuffles and bounces back to his table like a Roomba and falls asleep at the table on national TV. And then Gavin Newsom comes out and saying, like, this was a master class in governing right there. And you're going like, that, that, that doesn't make any sense to me. Like, something's not adding up. And that's what I was thinking about. I was like, well, how many, that seems obvious to me. It seems obvious to you. Probably seems obvious to you. But how many people just said, like, yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Master class in, in governing. Mm-hmm. Oh, is it? He's a statesman. He's been in government his whole life. He's just really—he really knows what he's doing. He's because lovable Grandpa Joe. Because if we saw that as rational, free-thinking, thinking adults, if I saw my dad act like that, like that, I'd be on the phone with the rest of my family. Like, hey, we gotta probably take Dad's car keys away. Like, mm-hmm. this is this is not good. You know, we're talking about the leader of the free world, well, the commander chief mm-hmm. of the world's largest military. We also know we have so many examples of the commander in chief of our military and others like being mat, you know, showing master mastery of governance, mm-hmm. and it looked nothing like that. No, you know, who do you like World War II? You think of Winston Churchill being like right. he was showing a master class example of how to deal with a war. I mean, Didn't shit his pants at the Vatican, you know, <laughs> <laughs> little things like that. <laughs> so I thought about how our, uh, our, our beliefs, so I, then I went kind of bigger as I'm like pacing around in the backyard is, uh, if he dies, you know, CPR, right? Did you put something in there? Oh yeah. That's right. I roofied you. Okay. I'm good. Uh, I thought about how our beliefs about the world around us, and what level, uh, it comes down to the, the skeptic brain, as, as I think it has a lot to do with that internal dialogue, mm-hmm. internal uh, dialogue. <laughs> and what level of skepticism, you know, and how we choose to employ or interpret that filter, that, that's the filter for which we take in information in our brain. Yeah. And this is what, like what I was thinking about. And you think about that, whether you choose to use or not use that part of your brain, is that becomes a coping mechanism for ignoring or denying information that's not congruent 
with a narrative that you already have in your head. Right. And this would be the people without the internal dialogue. That makes sense. You're right. So these are the conversations when we have with people, you're like, are you concerned at all about the skyrocketing increases in excess mortality and myocarditis and pericarditis and strokes and these turbo cancers? These are people go, no. I really thought about it. You, you, are, here's, the, here's the peer-reviewed <clears throat> clinical data. You're not, this, this isn't concerning to you. And it's like that filter, they're not lying to you. They have willingly shut down that prism in their brain for which that, that information would be processed. That way they can deny that because it's not congruent with their narrative. I think I've signed up for apps before, like... Um, Pilates? <clears throat> no, apps. Oh, apps. You think I said abs? Yes. <laughs> Sorry. <clears throat> Still choking. Uh, like a news app on your phone back when like smartphones first came out and I actually did such things. And you could select like what you wanted to be updated on. What did you right. want a notification on? What type of news? <clears throat> Sports and entertainment and local news. And, you know, there's all these different like toggles that you could switch. Yeah. And... It's like in those people's brains, you're allowed 10 switches out of 100. Mm -hmm. And you choose all 10 to be stuff porn. (laughs) (laughs) You only need to check that box once, buddy. It's like, yeah, there's tentacle porn. There's there's so many options out there. Only 10? God damn it. (laughs) And so uh, you, they have a bandwidth that can't handle going beyond mm-hmm. what's just being piped in right. through the media that they're... Because if you check the box that says, I want to hear stuff that's outside the mainstream media, mm-hmm. like, that's just... You're not just getting information. You're having to open up your mind to the possibility that information is correct. And that has, like, repercussions that ripple through your entire yep. social existence. Like, Absolutely. You now have to deal with the people in your family and your friends in a different way because you have opened up yourself to this information that they they didn't check that box mm-hmm. and you know they didn't check that box which is why you hesitated right. before you checked it yeah and you're now armed with all this information that you know is going to kind of put you in that pariah zone or at least in the zone of being like you know, a little bit having to explain yourself or having to kind of read the whole article, (laughs) (laughs) not just the headline and share it on Facebook. Oh my God. Yeah. That's it. That's the first step. Checking the box of reading the whole article. Would you like just the headlines or would you like to read the whole article? Uh, (laughs) You could just link that directly to my Facebook. That'd be great. (laughs) I don't have to go on this app or Facebook anymore. Yes. I think what you're saying is you're kind of hitting on kind of what I'm getting into is also you were talking about the, the external kind of ramifications of doing this, but also you have to think about the internal ramifications of like when you are going to embark on this journey of asking questions and pushing it against whatever narrative is being spoon fed to you, you, you risk, what do we call it? Pulling out the, the underpinnings of your own ideological foundation. Yeah. Thus like, wow, I have to, maybe I was wrong about that whole thing. And that's a terrifying prospect for people. Now, if you don't utilize that part of your brain, right, the internal dialogue, like if you just shut that down, then you never have to worry about any of this, right? We're done here. Like give me the information. 
I'll put it, you know, back on Facebook, right. just the headline, and that's that's the end of my part. It's that matrix thing that I was right. talking about. Like, you don't have to actually wake up. You have an entire industry and half of the country, or it's probably less, but it, it seems like half the country on your back, mm-hmm. saying, we got your back, brother. You just keep your eyes shut. Just keep accepting everything that we're saying, and we will support you. Well, there's a reason why we are conditioned to to believe that. I'm thinking of someone that uh, we both know and love who is very intelligent mm-hmm. and uh, but oh yeah it's actually that it's that Upton Sinclair quote right like if if a man's income depends on him not understanding an issue good luck trying to convince him of the truth on that issue good luck trying to get him to understand that dude you and I are <laughs> finally <laughs> <laughs> So you, I thought about that when people do, when they utilize that coping mechanism for which I'm not going to have the internal dialogue, I'm not going to critically analyze or question or not utilize the skeptic brain, which is what kind of distilled more or less this ideology down to, is when that happens, there's not, that's, there's no discussion to be had at that point. Like there's no, it's a dead end road, right? There's nothing that we can talk about. And you think about how many people that have willingly shut down that filter in their brain in an attempt to only take in information that aligns with what they already think, right? With, uh, with the narrative that they already believe to be true. Now, one thing I want to say about the skeptic brain is I think that people, when you call it this, this the skeptic brain, I think people erroneously kind of conflate the skeptic brain with a like more or less a negative denial of any narrative when that's not what it is. What the skeptic brain is, right. it's giving your brain permission to listen and question things. That's yeah. what the skeptic it's brain is. It's not just pure contrarianism. Right. The skeptic brain is merely just distilling, you know, down to its most simple idea is just, I'm just going to question things. So when they say, um, here is the latest fear porn headline about climate change. Skeptic brain goes, the non-skeptic brain goes, got it. We'll repeat. Watch, rinse, repeat. We're done. The skeptic brain goes, who said that? Uh, Al Gore. What's Al Gore's track record up to now? Not good. Like how not good? Like abysmal, pretty much. He's got almost everything wrong. Then you go, the skeptic brain, depending on like where you are in that gradient of the skeptic brain, then you start asking more questions. How about the how about the piece of information you get that says um, <clears throat> temperatures in New England rising faster than the rest of the country? And you go, really? That's interesting. Like I'm actually going to look into that because I, I find that why New England? Mm-hmm. Why is New England temperatures rising faster than everywhere else? On Earth, here's 47 other articles saying the same thing about every other state. By and the you way. came across those 47 other articles <laughs> yes. because you were just looking into like why would, as a just a curious science guy, like I'm into science, yeah. why would one region be rising faster than another? I'm sure this article, whoever wrote this article, probably did the work to kind of come up with some sort of explanation as to why that would be the case. Yeah. No, there's it, none of that. And guess what? When I Google that, every other, when I dildo that, every single other state has the exact same article written about it as yep. to, uh, and then you go, well, why would that be? Because obviously, mathematically, 
every single state can't be rising in temperature faster than every other state. It's mathematically impossible. And so then you start yeah, thinking, an article why, that the fuck, that. why the fuck would every article, why would there be an article on every single state saying the exact same thing? And then ding, like you're like all of a sudden like, because this seems like a fucking conspiracy. Because depending on where you are on that gradient of <laughs> conspiracy or skepticism is you... The, I think the more that you have u- utilized that skeptic brain, that the more questions that you're going to ask. Where, do you, where did you get this information? Who is telling you this? Al Gore. Okay, what's his track record? It's not good. And you go like, how is he benefiting? Has he benefited at all from this narrative? That would be the why. It's like, yeah, he's made $300 million since An Inconvenient Truth was released. You need to take the new booster. According to who? Anthony Fauci. What's his track record? About as good as Al Gore's, to be honest with you. Is he benefiting from this narrative? Yes, he's made over $20 million since the beginning of the pandemic. He's also currently still receiving royalties from Moderna, a company who has never had a, an approved vaccine up to now. Like, okay, that's the skeptic brain. I'm just asking the questions. I'm mm-hmm. like, okay, so if, yeah, you, but it's if not like- you were telling me the information and I'm asking the questions and you cannot answer any of these questions to my sufficiency that I should be listening to you, that's a skeptic brain. Like, we're kind of done here. Make sense? Yeah. I mean, it's not like Fauci, you know, caused the pandemic in the first place. So <laughs> no, okay, from a bat humping a pangolin in a <laughs> farmer's market in, far away in China somewhere. <laughs> so think about this. Farmer's market in China. <laughs> <laughs> so these are just the questions that the skeptic brain generates because, you know, for... Take it to the vaccine. Like, this, th- th- these were my thoughts in the very beginning. And I said, like, I, I wasn't, like, anti-vax. Like, I didn't, you know, I didn't have, like, a strong, strong stand. My initial reaction was, like, I'm not worried about COVID. I don't even take ibuprofen or aspirin. So I was, like, I'm not going to take this. I don't take the flu shot. You know, so I was not called a flu vaccine. It's called a flu shot. Same thing with the COVID shot. And you go, like... Well, it's kind of interesting that for over 100 years, they've been trying to find a vaccine for cancer, something that has impacted my family very gratefully, and they haven't found it. And then for multiple decades, they tried to find a vaccine for HIV since the 80s. They didn't figure that out. And all of a sudden, we have the world's most dangerous virus. And all in the same week, the four major big pharmaceutical companies all come up with a vaccine under something called Operation Warp Speed. Anyone have any questions there? <laughs> Am I the only one that just seems a little kind of weird? How dare you? Yeah, well. And I was saying, like, the skeptic brain, it just merely frees up your mind to just ask those questions. I don't go into it like, oh, no, I already know. I know what I know. Like, I know that the vaccines. It's like all I'm doing is asking these questions. And when you throw those questions out in the ether and no one can answer a single one of them or they just shrug or they try to shut you up, and say you're a white supremacist for even asking those questions. And I go like, it's when you get that aggressive pushback for asking questions about what someone else is telling you, someone steadfastly telling you like, this is what you need. To, you need to go get those fucking vaccines. You need to get mm-hmm. that booster. You need to stand with Ukraine, you know, whatever. And you just ask a question like, why should I stand with Ukraine? Like, because Putin is this evil dictator, he went in and he just overthrew a democratically elected government. You go like, didn't the U.S. do that? Facilitate the UK, the the coup in 2014 with Victoria Newland, the fuck the EU phone call, and we did the same thing. 
and people they start yelling at you for being a Russian sympathizer and a, and a and a Putin asset. Is you go like, okay, when you all I'm doing is you are telling me what I need to do, what the you know how I need to think, and I'm asking a question because I'm seeing some flaw in your logic. And when you get that aggressive pushback, that's when you go like, I might be pretty close to being directly over the target. And that's why you get deplatforming and doxing and censorship, which is rather like, than a <clears throat> a conversation, right? So, which is not you know that used to be the case. Like this kind of thing would be allowed to be discussed. Mm-hmm. Now it cannot be discussed, and you will be deplatformed. You'll be kicked off of. You'll you'll have your uh, livelihood stripped from you. Which is why we always say like when I, when someone gets you know your, your Alex Berenstein or. You know Peter McAuliffe or Robert Malone, and they get kicked off Twitter. It's like uh, I'm gonna go check out their website. Like I wanna, I wanna see why they're being kicked off. The reason you're like I did, and then in hindsight we look at, huh, that guy was right about everything. Your Dave Smith, your Pete Quinones, your Last American Vagabond. You know all the podcasts that we listen to that have been deplatformed off of these major. Speaking of. Uh, deplatforming and canceling, by the way, and this is a tangent. I think I don't think you're going here on this podcast. <laughs> the uh, you you've been paying attention, I'm sure, peripherally at least, to Russell Brand being canceled. Yes, it's so funny. It's, it uh, once again became a complete political issue. It's hilarious. It is. I think it's different. How so? I think that uh, his cancellation is. For whatever reason, I don't know if it's because he is a famous actor um, or just he's British or he's just quirky in the right ways. There's something about his cancellation that it seems to me like people are not putting up with. Mm-hmm. Like it's just that. Really? Yeah, it's that thousand monkey or whatever, hundredth monkey point. Mm-hmm. Kind of like the Bud Light thing was yeah i get the feeling that like no one people aren't standing for alex uh or uh, russell, russell brand, brand being canceled you following this somewhat do you know who he is no idea russell brand no i wish i was you <laughs> <laughs> i wish i was you who didn't know who famous people were but knew how to operate google as like <laughs> clearly as well as you do <laughs> Feels good to leave in the mountains. Yes. Take us with you. I know. That's why when uh, I returned from hunting that last time, and the first headline I saw was about the, uh, let me get this straight, the Portland man, trans activist, and Frank drag queen impersonator had murdered someone in Virginia. I was just like, yeah, I, count me I, just, out. I just don't belong in society. I just, I can't keep up with this shit anymore. I would have had the opposite reaction. One of the better headlines I've ever seen. Exactly. I'm like, all right, let's get busy. Here we go. <laughs> well, that's going on the podcast. So glad it came out of the mountains right now. <laughs> so when we, the why is what the one we bring up quite a bit, you know. So when I am, uh, I thought about this because, you know, I'm 45 minutes deep on a podcast about this uh, Aryan race of super gnomes that live in the mountains and secretly control the world's money supply. I'm like, yeah, interesting. I seen them. I mean, no shit. You have, you have I seen haven't. them? Oh, you I haven't, haven't seen, seen them. them. Oh, okay. <laughs> Woo. I was like, well, okay. <laughs> All right. Shutting this down. Pause. <laughs> Hit pause and whatever you were talking about. <laughs> 
No, but people people will believe anything out there. You know, you, yeah. you get like some city folks. It was funny. I'd screw with them all the time. Yeah. I'd be riding down the trail or driving in my truck on the dirt road to the station. See some people who are clearly from L.A., Bay Area. They're just, you know, walking in their Patagonias and <laughs> brand new hiking shoes. And, you know, I'd hang outside of my car and say, oh, shit. No way. You're in just the area. If you look to your left here in this riverbank, you're going to see a wolverine. Just keep looking. Keep looking. The next half mile, look down into that riverbank. Mm-hmm. Nice. There's no wolverines. Wolverines don't live in California, right? No. <laughs> no. But, you know, they, they, they'll believe anything from someone who appears to be a local of some sort. Well, and we who found would... one. They're holding like a house cat. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty Bald sure they did, they did pay you for your expertise. So <laughs> there's that. <laughs> you telling them there's a wolverine, they kind of got to trust. <laughs> no, no. These are just random folk. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, fuck them. That would be rad to be a guide and just bullshit your way. <laughs> <laughs> kind of yeah, like, right down there, that, that bottom of that creek there, that's uh, where Elvis is buried, actually. I, so I probably <laughs> want to get a couple pictures. You I, could say anything you want, and people will believe you because, you know, consider us the masters of the tangible. And sure. <laughs> I had that job, actually, when I lived in San Diego. I was a, a pedicab driver, and part <laughs> of your job driving people around is Wait. to... Were you a petty cab driver? <laughs> just driving a regular cab, just like bitching about stupid yeah. shit. So petty. <laughs> nice people, shoes. Yeah. <laughs> people would uh, people would ask for like tourism information, mm -hmm. and I never <clears throat> had anything to say. I just didn't know anything about San Diego. And finally, one of my fellow pedicab operators like, just tell them. You got to just tell them something. Like, they don't know. They're not from here. You just make this shit up. I do it all day long. And the tips, <laughs> like, the only way to make money in that job is by tips. That is how you do it. Just lie to the fuckers in your cab. Here's what you do. You got What you got to do is answer it like a politician. Is they ask you a question, which you clearly don't know the answer to because you don't know anything. <laughs> is that, but what you do is you marginally attach it to, like, some random thing that you do. You know, you know a couple things. Like, yeah. Like, What's that building? They're like, uh, that's, uh, th that's an old apartment building. And, um, so that's here on the corner here on Corona and 26, which is here in San Diego, which is where the stone temple pilots are from actually, by the way. And, uh, stone temple pilots originally like played here and before they got signed to a major label and you just go on like this whole other riff. What's that, uh, red building down there in the corner? Well, that's a, uh, that building is red. The bricks are made of, uh, red clay, which is similar to red bluff. I don't know if you know anything about red bluff, but, uh, <laughs> that's <laughs> Yes, there you go. Exactly. Yeah, well, I was this pile of tips. I was 21 years old. I didn't quite have that savvy back then. So as my wife asked me this question, what are you thinking? I was also, you know, going down this rabbit hole in my head, and I thought about, like, how almost all of us are being force-fed this constant stream of, you know, strife, conflict, and horrific news, and you start to think about, like, what kind of toll is that taking on people's mental well-being? which made me think of narcissism is, uh, this just a quick side street is, are you on Facebook? No. Okay. You on Facebook? I am today. I'm looking for a saddle. 
Okay. <laughs> is that a Facebook euphemism? marketplace? <laughs> Perhaps. Is it made me think of kind of the narcissist brain and do this for those of you on Facebook. Here's some homework is go on and I'm kind of like dovetailing this into the people that get caught up in whatever the latest I'm fucking angry about this today. You know what I mean? You know, uh, Taylor Swift is a Chiefs fan apparently or really Chiefs? I think so. I think she's dating Oh, uh, don't, don't make me fucking right, say this out right. <laughs> yes, or whatever. Travis Kelsey. Okay. Yes. God damn. <laughs> or you know whatever local you know whatever weekly outrage we're supposed to be embarked in. Mm-hmm. And- yeah, I don't do Facebook, dude. I'm a next door. <laughs> You're next door so. guy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a petty cab driver. <laughs> I'm a petty cab driver. All right. <laughs> Obviously, I'm on next door. Is look at how often. And this is just narcissism spade. So we talk about like all of us are narcissists to some degree. And hopefully as you progress through life and get a little more wise, you start to shed that narcissism. Yeah. Uh, I love describing it like this is that the three stages of narcissism are um, caring what people think, not caring what people think. And number three, realizing that no one's thinking about you. So just fucking don't worry about it. And you realize that some people, I think with the advent of social media and the prevalence of it, is like people, middle-aged men, which is one of the saddest things I've seen, either don't graduate from that first stage or regress back to it. And such a good indicator, this is just kind of a, a fun thing that we can do on our own time, is go on Facebook and read people making comments about whatever the outrage of the week is or like whatever the news of the day. And they write it in a style as if we were waiting for their opinion, which I think is fascinating because you'll even see something starting with like, sorry, it took me so long to like comment on this, but here's my thoughts. You can tell in their, you can tell in their mind. They're like, (laughs) I know like you guys were all waiting on my take on, you know, with bated breath on what, you know, what the Bud Light commercial, what I thought about it or whatever it was. You know what I mean? Dude, on that is I'm sorry to keep bringing up Anne Rand, but uh, yeah. Ayn Rand, but in her novels, the main characters are always such men. Mm-hmm. They have zero psychology. There is no narcissism. There is no nothing. Me. They're just they're just like men. It's amazing, and yeah, like you, every character you, you hear the inner dialogue or monologue or dialogue of the of the inner of these characters, and they're always like thinking about the thing that they're doing. They're thinking about the steel that they're producing. Purely, the, purely the, utilitarian. Yeah, right. And they're, they're at like some socialite event, some party. And they're just hoping that no one talks to them because they really don't want to be there. They don't give a shit who these people just are. Or what my they, entire weekend. <laughs> or what they think about them. Or it, it, they don't even want them to notice them. And they, they, uh, Henry Reardon in this one part of the book asks his wife at this party not to introduce him to anybody. Do not bring anyone around to, to talk to me. I just do not care who these people are. As if, as and as it's as so it, manly. It's, as if. Get off my lawn was a person. Exactly. It's so manly to me. I just love it. 
it's like the exact opposite of what you just described about, hey, guys, sorry, I know you're all waiting with bated breath for me to comment on this totally meaningless and trivial thing. It has nothing to do with that, me or you yeah. or anyone. And, yeah, here's my opinion. Yeah, I know because I'm online. It's a fun exercise to do because I'm not on Facebook, but I get, like, screenshots from it from other people. And you, I'm like, I start thinking about that. I'm like, it's interesting it's a it's a it's a very subtle psychological nuance to kind of pick up on, but start to pay attention to that, even or any social media, Twitter. It's like how many people are putting their opinions out there with you can tell with the psychological assumption that like I am assuming that everyone's just kind of waiting to hear my take on this thing, which is very sad and perverted. Well, me, social media definitely promotes that kind of thinking. So you begin to realize that we talked about this before when something is free. Social media, Google, anything. Yeah. It's like TV. TV. When something is free, that means nothing is free in this world. We live right. in a free market economy universe. Right. Like, like it or not. Like, that's, there is a, there is a cost for everything. And when something is free, technology, you're, you know, these apps, social media, everything, that means that you are the commodity your attention, you, your ideological calories are being bought and sold as a commodity. It's your attention, you know, what you spend your time doing. Your cerebral cap capacity is what's being bought and sold as a commodity. With all these things with social media and everything and the people that work with them, what we refer to as the cathedral, you start to think about, you're like, what if this was kind of being done by design? If you... Don't think that's a possibility, then I don't think that you are actually giving it any thought. Right. Because I don't know how you could think otherwise. Yeah. It might not. It's very likely it's not. But it just, it all adds up a little too, too well. Yes. Right? Right. So you, the skeptic brain starts to ask questions. So we talk about like how we take in, let's just, let's just keep it to like media and the narrative that we're spoon fed, right? As these consumers. And so just take anything. We, we call this, you know, go, go back to the walk out the front door test. You're like, so you want to mandate a, an experimental shot for my eight year old for a virus that he has a 99.99997% survivability rate for like, yeah. That makes no sense. Like, like, well, but that's what the narrative is. Most people don't employ that part of their brain. It says, like, that, that doesn't make any sense to me. Very few of us do. And I think the number of the people that do say, that makes no sense, and this is the good news, is growing very fast, which I see yeah. is a very good sign. It is. Inflation is not affecting you. I, it, it is. It is. I just came back from the grocery store. I was like, no, look at this graph right here by Paul Krugman. <laughs> Like, uh, uh, let me do two minutes of digging. Like, yeah. he just excluded food, housing, yeah. and fucking... Uh, Hold on, let me, <laughs> let me just use my power of memory to 10 minutes ago when I was at the grocery store. Mm, no. <laughs> it is happening. So Larry Elder, who was raised in South Central LA and went to Crenshaw High and raised in abject poverty, 
is saying mm-hmm. like, hey, we need I, a school voucher system because what we're going to do is we need to give these inner city youth a better opportunity. We need to le- give them the choice of the school they can go to and give them a head start in life. The, the inner schools are failing and we need to fix the system right, right now. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, typical response from a white supremacist. Yeah, Larry Elder is a white supremacist. Yeah. That, makes no, that, that makes no sense. What do you mean? How can that guy be a white supremacist? He, he's a white supremacist. Didn't you yeah. read the, the LA Times? And you go, <clears throat> it doesn't make sense. The only reason it doesn't make sense is that you have chosen to utilize that part of your brain that asks the questions. I haven't shut down the filter for which I take in this information. We are actively engaged in a war right now. And when we think of war, we think of guns and bombs and tanks and double tap drone strikes on a wedding party, Obama, or maybe blanketing three countries with napalm and Agent Orange and subjecting multiple generations of children to horrific birth effects, Henry Kissinger. They both won the uh, Nobel Peace Prize, by the way. But the war is about information. It's about ideas. And the war has been incredibly one-sided and successful. And the way that like, I've kind of interpreted this is the reason why it's so successful is that we can prepare. We talk about preparing for shit going off the rails. We can prepare for what we know that's coming because we have that skeptic brain. We're like, let's prepare for the worst case scenario. And hopefully everything works out. We don't have to ever use these skills, for example. He's like, but you can't prepare for a, for a conflict or war that you don't even know that you're engaged in. And I think that explains the majority of the people out there. And when we talk about the war of ideas and information, vast majority of us have no idea that they're involved in this war. So think about like information is that the news that I read is different from the news. Well, probably not from what you read because we just share everything together, but might be different from the news you read, Mads, which is different from your friend, which is different from their friend, which is different from the people that you work with. And so you, everyone is experiencing reality on a different reality's terms, for example. Right. And so that's why to go back to the first thing I was saying, it's like you can't even really have the conversation because you're utilizing completely separate facts to build a foundation from like your, your, your worldview, for example. So an example of this would be um, COVID has a 99.97% survivability rate, or there's a 30% chance that you will be hospitalized if you get COVID. Depends on who you voted for. Uh, Saddam Hussein didn't have WMDs, or he did, and we found them. And he also masterminded 9-11. Depends on what you read, you know what I mean? And on and on and on. It's like we are experiencing different realities. And so that's when you see how coordinated and in concert that this happens, the skeptic brain or how what we do on this podcast quite a bit is we go like, that can't be an accident at this point, right? Like this has to be like coordinated at, at some level. Uh, it's hard for me to pull myself out of my current state of skepticism and put myself in the shoes of someone who doesn't think the way that I do and and try to say that, yeah, when you add it all up like that, it, it does seem obvious because I'm just so, everything you just said was like, yeah, 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 obviously. But the, if you're not, if you don't think that, if you're the type of person who can't take everything that you just said and have it crack open the shell a little bit mm-hmm. and say, okay, maybe there's something there, then I think that, uh, I don't know. It's just, 
it's again, it's just one side talking to the other. Right. I, I don't, obviously the answer is yes, but I don't see anything you just said as like making a huge dent into the, the psyche of someone who wouldn't think the way that we already think. Right. I mean, it, I would love for, to sit someone down in that chair who didn't agree with us and ask them that same question and actually kind of put together all that, those facts and say, like, don't you think that you, it's your duty to be a little bit skeptical about this stuff yeah. and actually get an honest answer? Because I, I can't tell you. I don't know. Obviously, I agree with you. But. So think think about it like this. is And remember, this is all within the context of my wife just going like, what are you thinking about? I'm like, oh, nothing. <laughs> like, there I am, like 30 minutes later, pacing around the yard. Like, think about it like this, is that I started thinking about how, like, virtually all media, every billboard, all entertainment, every Netflix special, everything that we're taught in school, everything that comes from the the political elite, what we call the cathedral, right? All the academia, everything. You wrap it all together. Like, we are conditioned from birth to not use the skeptic part of our brain. Like, we are conditioned from birth. Like, do not ask those questions. There's a narrative. Go along with a narrative. And I think that goes back into, like, kind of our tribal psychology of, like, don't 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 rock the boat. Like everyone's thinking yeah, this one 100%. thing. This would also align with what we've seen. I mean, this has actually happened. Like the the current war against misinformation, disinformation, and malinformation. They're trying to make those legitimate psychological disorders, for which you can be institutionalized right. for. Like there's a very very big like an actual legislative push push to make this happen. So you talk about the way that people process information, and they just kind of go along with the flow. Like what do we call it? We call it groupthink, right? And so you started looking into like groupthink is I look into that and they call it like informational conformity. It's just like, what's everyone doing? Like, I'm just, I'll just do that thing. You know, I don't want to upset the apple cart or anything like that. And the psychology also shows that the, when people will go along with this narrative because they have this instilled fear of standing out and going against the stream, which is called normative conformity. Those two things mm-hmm. are kind of interrelated. And then, so we talk about like the walk out the front door aspect. Like when we are being spoon fed these narratives, like here's what you're supposed. Here's a, as Tom Woods calls it the what the index card of the three by five card of yeah allowable opinion. This seems even when it's incongruent with reality, but the group thinks this is like that's why we. That's not normative conformity. It's like I my eyes are seeing this. He's like, but the group is saying this. It's like psychologically, we are we have been conditioned since birth to go along with the group and not with what we're actually seeing with our eyes. This also goes back into the uh, Dutch uh, clinical psychologist Matthias Desmond with the uh, mass formation psychosis that we talked about. With like, right. why is it like everyone's all of a sudden is putting on gloves and masks and you know lathering themselves down with hand sanitizer all of a sudden? It's like. Yeah, it's a, it's a psychological, they have broken them down, broken themselves down. Headbox, perfect example on an individual level, right? but, but not for the group. So what was the mass formation psychosis? The thing mass formation psychosis was just how groups 
It's, ba- it's basically normative conformity. It's, yeah. It's what her, was it linked to, mentality. though, we were, we, he we were talking He specifically wrote about w- with masks is what he said. masking. Yeah, he's centered. Okay. Because yeah, he broke it down in two things. It's herd mentality, and it's also, um, I think this was Matias Desmond as well, is like, it also, people are, they have no psychological, and, and then psychologically they have no, they know they have no role in the power hierarchy. And so they feel powerless. And so they tend to graft onto ritual and things that make them think that they have control over a situation, no matter how minute, which would be a mask. It's a locus of control. It's like, okay, I feel powerless to this whole thing. There's this invisible virus that's supposedly going to kill me. I do have power over this. I can wear the mask. It's a locus of control, and it's also conformity, normative conformity. That was not, yeah, the conformity part maybe, but the woman that I saw this morning in Napa, she had to be, you know, a millionaire, uh, walking her dog with a mask on by herself on the street this morning. Her dog had the mask? No. Okay. I'm so surprised we have not seen that. <laughs> Why wouldn't a dog can get COVID? It's coming, dude. Why wouldn't you put a mask on your dog, you fucking idiot? If you really think the mask is protecting you, shouldn't the dog it's be wearing me a like mask? Those jerk-offs that... Fucking let their hair grow and grew to their beard, and they point to another dude, and, you know, look like another caveman. And they're pointing at the beard like COVID, right? You know, we can't shave. I'm like, <laughs> fucking morons. <laughs> I just thing. I the look dog at that lady though. She's not her conformity is not about a fear of COVID. You're by yourself on a street walking your dog. It's it's simply your adherence to the the tribe. I don't know. Yeah, I get so tired of. <laughs> being annoyed with people and their masks. I don't. I just want to either. I don't like, get. I don't get tired of you being annoyed. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm like further down the rabbit hole, and you think about things like that. We're giving these specific narratives. I thought about groupthink, normative conformity. Um, thought about Matthias Desmond and mass formation psycho- psychosis. I thought about how the perfect example for that would be the Milgram experiment, 1961 at Yale University. Are you familiar with that at all, Mads? Not at all. It's um, they had the scientists had set up a what was it a one way like window sh- yeah. in a fake shock. They had uh, a dial, and you you turn the dial, and it would uh, administer a shock to the person uh, on the other side of the glass. Uh, and the more you turn the dial from zero to 10, let's say, the more it would shock them. And the person on the other side of the glass was an actor who could tell how much you were turning the dial, and they would pretend to be shocked to the level that you were turning the, the dial to. Some monkey shit. Big time. <laughs> <laughs> and the, the outcome of the, resu- uh, the results of the, the study was that people were willing to obey orders on some voluntary experiment that they entered into uh, with no, they didn't have to turn the dial. It was just some guys in white coats telling them the experiment depends on you carrying through with this. You must turn the dial. It wasn't like they were under, they didn't have a gun to their head or anything. And they, they would do what they were told. The majority of people, something like 80% of the people would turn the dial all the way. Even, point, in, even in a few scenarios, it killed quotes, the person. Killed the person. Yeah. Like, turn up to this. He's like, it'll kill him. He's like, well, that's what the experiment is. And they, they're like, all right, well, you're in a position of authority. I guess I'll just do that. 
I think it would be a service to the community if everyone knew about that experiment. Well, that's why we're here, Madeline. We're trying to, <laughs> we're trying to be of service. <laughs> <laughs> the, I, the greatest takeaway from that experiment is that were, there actually were people who resisted, who were like, fuck off, I'm not killing that. Yeah, the, 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 not the majority. The, the not the majority, but it's like uh, human beings are not robots who just act, everyone follows orders. No, not everyone. There's some of us who don't. And all of us would like to believe that we were in that 20 or whatever, the, the 40% for that the experiment in. was to figure that out. Like what percentage of us would go like, no, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to shock this guy. Like, I'm not going to kill this person. At what point, you know, some people would say like, I'm not, no, I'm out. I'm not doing this at all. Some people go like halfway through the experiment, like turn it up to this, to 10. No, that, that's going to kill him. You know, isn't it funny? These kinds of things come up. It's hilarious. Up. The Milgram experience were hilarious. <laughs> yeah, if you want some good comedy, yeah. <laughs> Don't know that. Watch the videos. The people in, we, we experience these things without knowing that they're coming. The people that were in that experiment didn't realize that they were like the butt of the joke or the they were the experiment, right? They didn't, they were faced with this decision to torture someone or not and they a lot of them failed and i'm we're sitting here saying don't be that person always err on the side of humanity but we hear so many stories like this where people are faced with like the stanford prison experiment Mm -hmm. is a similar one where people are faced with the decision to either be human or be a psychopath and they choose psychopath a lot of the time, just there's a little bit of push for them to be that person yeah. and they choose the wrong thing. At, and all of us like to believe that we would be the ones that were good and were you know, stood up in the face of tyranny or some sort of torture that was being uh, you were being asked to promote. We have unparalleled access to information, yet people just keep getting dumber or less and less informed, right? We by every metric, all childhood education is getting worse and worse and worse. We have 100% of some public schools in the, in the uh, inner city where 0% graduate um, proficient in reading or math, for example. And I just thinking about like the cultural decline that we're, that we are witnessing, you know, just that, yeah, for what, our very what you're saying there's, there's schools in the inner city where no one can actually read when right. they graduate. Every year, adults who steadfastly put all this faith in this government, they know less and less about it. Like, name and the they, three, three branches of government. Like, I have no idea. And they chastise people for who don't want to put their kids through the government schools. Right. By the way, let's stop calling them public schools. They're government schools. They're government schools. Government nothing is any good, right? Like government They're, housing, government food. Gov- there's no government. kind of government schools, which I'm going <clears> to <throat> mention here real quick. Okay. Is that most of us know, we have no idea where our food comes from. We don't know what's in it. We don't know how it's made. Like, we, and, you know, we've touched on before, like the skyrocketing obesity. Like, we're just getting sicker, sicker. We're getting sicker and fucking dumber. Every year, every generation is just getting considerably worse. There's no bright side on, on this rant, by the way. So it's just I'm so used to you cheering everyone up at the end of your rants. <laughs> and then you th- and then you start thinking about like 
we don't know where our money comes from because it doesn't come from anywhere. It's completely fake. It's made up. It's a made up system. And you think, start to think about that. Like what if all of these things like with the media is, what if all this is being coordinated? Right. So we always talk about like they, this, they, that we're talking about the top of that power hierarchy. And mm-hmm. you were at a party and someone goes like, you can't just say they, it doesn't mean anything. it makes you sound like fucking crazy. So you go like, well, who's they I was like, well, let's nail that down is they, if you look at human beings and the way that we have been conditioned from birth to believe these specific narratives and we're intentionally being pitted against each other, like how is that being done and who is that doing? What's the why, right? Well, we can go back to Jekyll Island, 1911 to 1913, right? Most people don't know this. We are being controlled. We basically have been turned into livestock, and we're being harvested like livestock. They're not harvesting for our, our, as for our meat, as we mentioned on the last podcast. <clears throat> what they're harvesting is your, your soul and your energy, right? Your time, all that time at work, yeah. right? Making that money. That money goes where? It goes to the Federal Reserve. Well, that's the government. No, it's not. The government doesn't own the Federal Reserve. The, gov- the Federal Reserve is owned by 12 private banks. Who owns those private banks? The same families that were at Jekyll Island in 1913. The same generational families have J.P. Morgan Chase and the Rockefellers and the Warburgs and, the, and uh, the Vanderbilts. These people run the banks, and they arbitrarily decide what your money's worth via our fiat currency beginning in 1911 and 1913, but really got kicked into gear in 1971 when they took us off the gold standard. That 1971, we will decide what your dollar is worth more, right? We're $33 trillion in debt. We're going to keep sending out stimulus checks. We're going to send $250 billion to Ukraine. Every time we do that, as we're talking about on the last podcast, like they they are devaluing your money. Your money, which is the mechanism that's is the metric by which you are, what you are worth as a human being, how much time you're going to spend with your family, what you're going to do with your free time, you know, what you actually do, what you provide, the capital that you provide, like that is arbitrarily decided by these private families that own these banks. That's why you are cattle. Like you are being, your energy and your soul is being harvested by fucking families that own these banks. So as I'm thinking about this, <laughs> I go like, how come no one else thinks about shit like this. And you go like, it seems like you'd be taught this in school. And you look at like, <laughs> what's just the, where did our school come from? And you look at the uh, General Board of Education was started by the exact same families, the Rockefellers in 1903. Right. <laughs> they start a public schooling system. Why would the government teach you about how corrupt the government is? Exactly. And... When he started if, if that you, school... If you switch the word government to, let's say, like, mafia, uh, and the mafia created the Federal Reserve in, the 1913, in 1913 mm-hmm. at Jekyll Island, why would the mafia schools teach you the truth about what happened in the mafia? Yeah. Right? This it's, is where it hit me, is that when David Rockefeller started the General Board of Education and was quoted as saying, like, I don't want a nation of thinkers, I want a nation of workers. Yeah. And started our public schooling system. And then I thought about that when I remember why I said, like, what are you thinking about? I'm like, I just in my mind I was like, why don't why aren't more people asking these questions? And then it hits you. He goes, No one is going to educate you on how to overthrow them. But out loud I said, no, 